0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. We're moving into how God has reoriented the earth. Every time God gives us a new covenant, the new covenant supersedes the old, it most of the time is a fulfillment of the old covenants but it is also it also adds it adds to what how god's working in the world it adds to the relationship god has with us it adds to all the good things that god makes available to his people and it adds to our understanding of who he is and uh, those things are important but also understanding how god works and how god moves genesis chapter 9 verse 1 says this So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Notice God's uh, telling Noah that he's to continue and his sons are to continue what God had planned all all along, which is to fill the earth with with people. And if you kind of uh, do some of the <clears throat> studies scientifically look at some of the scientific studies about population growth and how populations have grown? That 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 takes a long time to really take a foothold, but in the last few centuries, it has really taken off. Because first of all, because of medicine, because of technology, and the ability to feed massive groups of people, and it also is it also is taken off because because we're reaching what I believe to be those times that at the end. And so he says, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he says, and the fear of you and the dead and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth. Now, the relationship with animals changes in, from before the flood to after the flood. Before the flood, the animals are, were all named by Adam. They were very close to Adam. They were not carnivores as much as they are now. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't tell us that they weren't carnivores. But the Bible Bible indicates that they likely weren't. We do know that man was not a carnivore. Man was given to eat all of the fruit of the trees and, and the vegetables and all the food that comes from the ground. Man was given that to eat in the garden. And now, do I think that the man shared... In his sacrifice to God, the meat sacrifice to God. That's what happened afterwards. So I, I can't tell you that's not true. But generally speaking, man was vegetarian. But I do believe there's some reason to believe that man did eat meat before that. Not I can't prove that, and I can't. Uh, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us that. What the Bible does tell us is that. What the Bible does tell us is that. That from this moment on, it says that the animals are going to fear us. They're going to they're going to try to get away from us because we're going to start eating them. And you know what? That's a blessing from God for me. That I really, I love all types of meat cooked all kinds of ways. And so he says, and the fear and the dread of you shall be on the beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth and on all the fish of the sea. They are given to you into your hand. Notice that all the animals and all, including the sea animals that weren't affected by the flood, it, all of them are going to be afraid. All of them. And every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. And notice you have that dichotomy, you have that tying back. To before the flood, where he gave them all the green herbs, all the fruit of the tree and the ground, all the vegetables, all that to eat before. Now, now we've come to the place where God says, I'm giving you all the animals to eat. I'm gonna allow you to eat eat meat and and that changes things. Now you go, why would God not do that before? There was something definitely different. There is something clearly different about how our atmosphere how we relate to the sun how we relate to the air pressure around us there's clear differences in how humanity lives on the earth today than before the flood now you can say for whatever reason you come up with and say that maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe it's the other and there's not there's not real good scientific evidence for why there's not real good biblical evidence for why but there's a clarity in that man is different now than he was before the flood in how he has to live. And we do know that the most, the, well, the force that changes and, and and does things for to our bodies, the most in the universe is the sun. We know right now that the sun, is, as the rays of the sun pass through us, even when we're at bed at night, because they pass through the earth, gamma rays, delta rays, things like that. As they pass through us, they change us. They, they alter our DNA. And we know that before the flood, something was protecting from that. We know that if there was a water shield above the earth, that the air pressure on the earth had to be a number of times greater than it is right now, which would have totally changed the way our bodies dealt with oxygen and our lungs' ability to take in oxygen. Because, by the way, air pressure is what causes your lungs to be able to take in oxygen. That pressure, that air pressure pushes that oxygen into the capillaries and the cells in your lungs for your lungs to receive it. And if the air pressure is greater, and we even know that today because we put people in hyperbaric tra- chambers, what we do is we put them in a chamber where the air pressure is greater, way greater than it is right now, and it helps us heal. We heal a lot quicker under higher air pressure. We, we are less given to illness and sickness when we're, we're not exposed to, to the destructive rays of the sun. We have all these things that are going on now that weren't going on then. That were to our advantage before, but not to, not right now. And and the truth is that the eating of protein and the eating of uh, of meat is a great value to to counteract some of the ill effects of us being on the planet Earth without a water shield to protect us from the sun and without the higher air pressure that would have come along with that water shield. And when you're looking at scripture here, you need to understand that not only is God's ability to relate to us has changed, but God's, but God in what he's doing with us is to protect us and to keep us able to multiply and to grow on the earth uh, in greater and greater ways after the flood. And so he says, every, th- every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I've given you all these things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. that is its blood. And what he's saying is, do not eat red, bloody meat. Do not eat that. because he's giving us a picture here. He's telling us that blood represents life. Blood represents life. blood. and if you if you talk to medical professionals, people who are in medicine, they'll tell you the blood's the most important thing. The blood is what feeds the body, the blood is the power source of everything. That goes on in your in in your body everything that you need is carried to that portion of your body by your blood it moves through everything you have it is the it's the source of life and as far as god's concerned he says that your blood is the source of life and that we're not to eat the animal's blood we're not to we're not to intake the blood of animals now that has a lot of good reasons for it both both from a spiritual point of view but also from a physical point of view, any pathogen that might be in an animal is definitely probably going to be in that animal's blood. Because why? Because any pathogen that's in the body, any anything that's in the body of an animal that's bad for you is going to have touched the blood at some point in time and is likely to be in the blood. There's things that God tells us to do that gives us spiritual insight, but there's also things that God tells us to do that just were, are, are good, good for your health or good for you. And that's one of the things he tells us to do is to not drink or not eat the blood of animals. Why? Because back then, there was no way for them to know about parasites. There was no way for them to know about germs. There was no way for them to know about viruses. There was no way for them to know about bacteria. They didn't know about that stuff, but God knew about it and God knew where it was would be located. And and viruses are mutations of of a weird cell that's only made to really to attack uh, other cells, to fill it, use the matter of that cell to reproduce and eventually destroy that cell and break it open and release all the new viruses to the new cells. If you ever just do a little study, do a cartoon study, maybe on YouTube about how viruses work. It's scary. It's kind of like alien. It's kind of like the aliens coming in. They take over your body and make millions of other aliens, and then boom, you blow up. And then they go and attack other people's bodies. It's kind of like the attack of the body snatchers. It's scary, really scary to me. Anyway, so when you're doing that, uh, when you're doing that, that the way viruses are mutated, generally speaking, is the sun rays from the sun radiation mutates viruses. And then viruses have some natural ways that they mutate or make changes, dealing with, dealing with how they are dealing with the body that they're in and the physical uh, attacks that the body makes on viruses to destroy them. Of all the creatures on the earth, of all the things that we have in us and that we know about, the thing that we know for sure that we've seen mutate. And we've seen a mutation which caused that to be better and stronger. The only thing that we've ever really seen mutate in a way where it became a whole different, a whole different species, a whole different animal, as it were, is viruses, which are not animals at all. They are they're pathogens, they're carriers, they're deadly. That is in the blood. And he says, surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. Notice the death of humanity is something that's important to God. And murder is something that God is against. What God's saying is, I'm going to demand a reckoning a reckoning from the hand of every beast. I will require it. What he's saying is, if any beast or any human kills another human, There is a reckoning to come for that. There is a there is something God's going to do in judgment of that. He is not going to allow humanity to destroy humanity, and he's not going to allow his creation to destroy humanity. He's not going to allow anything, both spiritual or physical, both animal or angel. He is not going to allow them to destroy us. He's going to protect us in the midst of this. And so he says, surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast, I will require it. And from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. And this is the idea of capital punishment. It's capital punishment for animals. We, You've heard that phrase used to that. the. The dog's a man-eater. The lion's a man-eater. Once they get a taste of human flesh, they uh, want to continue to attack human beings. And what do we do with animals like that? We put them down. We get rid of them because we can't afford for them to be around. There's a reckoning that comes for that. And there's a reckoning for humans who hunt and kill other human beings. And God says, I'm going to demand a reckoning for that. I'm going to demand a part of the way I've created my universe is that's going to have a punishment that goes along with it there's going to have to be some consequences that take place because of it and so he says surely your lifeblood i will demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast i will require and from the hand of man from the hand of every man's brother i will require the life of a man what is he saying he's saying it's life for life it's going to cost something when when you kill someone and uh, that's capital punishment. For those of you who are anti capital punishment, I can understand that in the sense of I'm not anti capital punishment, but I won't punish. I want capital punishment to be a deterrence. And the way we do it right now, where somebody lives for 20 years and then they're killed. And really after 20 years, somebody's a whole new person is not a efficient or it is not a deterrence in our society for murder. It's not, and it's not ever been. But if it's done properly, I do believe it's a deterrence. If a capital punishment's dealt with properly, I do believe that it causes people to think about whether or not they want to kill someone else. And we don't do it right now. We don't do it in a way that ha- for capital punishment to have its full effect. And so as others would say, then we don't need to do it at all. I would say, no, we need to do it right, but. If we're not going to do it right, then we don't need to be doing it because it's worthless the way we're doing it right now. If you can live 25 years in a cell uh, somewhere, and then we're, going to, then we're going to take your life, and nobody even remembers what you did. Uh, it's, just not, it's just not efficient or effective way of deterring, cap, turn cap for blood punishment. Notice what God says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. What he's saying is you retain some of his image. You retain some of his who he is. We were originally made in his image. We were made to be a representation of him. And you're not going to be allowed to kill or take the life of someone else and get away with it. There's going to be a cost to it. It wasn't a cost to Cain's killing of his brother in the sense of taking his life. There was a cost in that he suffered a curse and that he had to leave and not, not live around the people he was living around anymore. But after today, after the flood, God says, there's going to be a cost to this shedding of blood. I'm not going to allow that to take place in such a way that it's done with impunity. If you take, your life is going to be taken from you. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So what God said is the purpose for me doing this flood is to make us to purify humanity and make it su- in such a way that we can grow and and fill the whole earth with human beings. And he says they're not going to allow what was going on before the flood, all this destruction, all this death, all this killing, all this destroying. We're not going to allow that to go on anymore. There's going to be law. There's going to be rules. There's going to be governmental organizations that to do that. And listen, governments for the purpose of ensuring that society lives, lives Properly and effectively under the laws, under the natural laws that we know to be true, you can say we we don't. I don't believe in God, so I don't believe in that stuff. Well, that' too bad. The, the natural law comes from God, and whether you like it or not, we understand that there's just some natural things that are right and wrong. It's, it's wrong to take uh, something that someone else's, which naturally means that people have the right to own property. We have the right to own property, and then we have the right to have that protected by the government so that you can't steal it from us. We have cities right now who are telling stores and stuff, you're just going to have to deal with people stealing up to a certain amount from you because we're not going to enforce the natural law that it's wrong to take from others. We're not going to force that. And let me tell you something, those cities are going to suffer. They're already suffering and they're going to suffer even greater and greater because they're not, they're not enforcing what is naturally understood. In the world as far as the law that we understand that taking human life is wrong taking someone else's life is wrong and uh, government's made to enforce those laws is to protect other people's freedom and it's to enforce the laws that god has placed on our hearts and in his in his creation it is wrong it's wrong to take someone else's property it's wrong to uh, take someone else's life It's wrong to take someone else's freedom and government's in the business of protecting our freedom. And that's why our founding fathers say we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they're endowed, not created the same, but created equal. And they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life. It's wrong to take someone's life uh, without due process of law. It's with life and liberty, freedom. It's wrong to take someone's freedom without due process of law. And uh, governments exist to protect that freedom, the freedom of humanity to, uh, to seek after his own will and seek after God's will in his life. And it's wrong to take away property. And, and the only reason they didn't say property rather than the pursuit of happiness is because they knew they were doing wrong because they were taking people's freedom away and making them slaves. And they couldn't say property because that would have caused a big old problem. But the truth is we have a right to property and we have a right for others not to take what is ours. And uh, understanding that, that these principles that we're talking about all the time around us are principles that God put in place way back in the book of Genesis. They're right there for you to understand and to see. God said, listen, man is made to be free. Man is made to be free to seek me out man's made to be man's made to be faith and not not be fearful of losing his life to other human beings and man's made to have and to store up and to make things for him and himself and for the benefit of others around him and the work of his hand should have a reward to it and that reward not should not be taken by others because they want it and so understanding those just basic principles of natural law the way god has made things to be on the earth helps you understand the why we do what we do as a nation. It helps us understand why things work a certain way and why other things don't work at all. And I hope that you can see that also as we're going through this study of Genesis, you can begin to see the natural work of God in the universe around us and uh, that he made things a certain way. And when you deviate from the way he made things, you, you cause problems for yourself and you cause problems for those around you. And I pray that, that you'll not only have your eyes open to who God is, but you'll have your eyes open to what God did. Who God is and what he does is important. And what he's made this earth to be and what he's made, the place that he's made us to live in is important. And knowing that uh, gives you purpose, it gives you meaning, it gives you strength, it gives you peace, and it gives you hope. And uh, that's always true when you know God. He gives you all those things and he also gives you joy. And he gives you purpose. And knowing God is the best thing in the world to do, is to know him. And I hope you do know him. And if you don't know him very well, the whole reason that you would even consider knowing him is because he first knew you and he cares about you. So uh, turn to him because he's already turned his ear toward you. He's turned his eyes toward you. He's looking at you. You turn toward him and you seek out his very best. And in him, you will find that. I hope you'll do